Welcome to the Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Follow along with the message by downloading our app, available for both Apple and Android phones. And now, for our message. This morning is the final week of this series of messages about um, kind of our identity and, and where we're going as a church. It's a little bit unusual. It's not a, a regular preachy kind of a series because it's focused on us getting clarity around who we are, what we do, and where we're going. And so those three questions, who are we, where do we do, and where are we going, we've answered over the last three weeks. So really quick, we're going to do a real quick flyby review. Who we are is defined by our values. Grace Church has three values. Pop quiz, ready? They are, number one, some of you know that's really good you get an extra donut if you said wholeness when you leave here there'll be an extra donut just for you wholeness discipleship and community we are about as a family wanting to become more whole and help others become whole to be disciples and to help others be discipled by Jesus to be in community and to expand extend community in this place so that's our values that's who we are what do we do what we do is defined by our mission and our mission is very simple we extend grace. Do the rest of it. Very good. You get two donuts, Joel. Good job. We extend grace one relationship at a time. The, what, the calling that this church has is to build relationships with people that don't know Jesus, specifically people who are far away from God, who are distant, or who are disconnected from fellowship, or most of all, and this is my favorite one, who are disillusioned with the church because they've had experiences that they just can't reconcile in their lives. So we want to be people who are extending grace to those kinds of folks. That's our mission. Our vision, as that last question is answered, where are we going or what's the future look like? That's answered with our vision. And our vision is also very, very simple. Our vision is we desire to be a family where each person in here is a minister. Each person, each one is reaching the next one, the next person with God's grace. That it's not a church that's built around the gifts of a few, but rather the gifts of the many. And that we all collectively together are pastoring the people in whose lives we have an opportunity to reach. That's why we have that board over there on the, on the right-hand side of the, of the room here. It's, a, it's just a regular you know, butcher block kind of paper. But there's initials all over it. And those initials are individual people that we are praying for and seeking to have an influence to see those people come to Christ. We will be an incredibly fruitful and successful church. In, the, in all of the measures that matter as those people continue to come to Jesus one at a time and give their hearts to the Lord. That's what it's all about. It's not about anything else other than seeing heaven get populated by people saying yes to Jesus. Does that sound like a good vision for the future? Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, you actually are a minister. <laughs> Alex, you actually are a minister. We actually are ministers. All, everybody is called to be a minister, not just the person that stands up front, not just the people that are on the worship team, not just the folks that have titles. We are all called to minister in the name of Jesus. So this morning is the final week, and this morning we're going to talk about something more intimate. And if you're visiting, I am so glad you're here. This is kind of like family talk, so you're getting to sit in on the family conversation, which I hope will be good and not weird. So just up front, I'm letting you know that. I want to talk this morning in this final week about how we act with each other. Like what we're talking about our identity, wholeness, community, discipleship, you know, where we're going, extending grace. What's it look like? Everyone reaches the next one. But, but what about here? What about the way that we 
interact with one another. That's very important. And I, and I want to talk about culture. Every family has a culture. Think for a second. Did your family have a culture when you were growing up? Kind of the, the norms of your family. The way things were inside of the walls. When you're a little kid, you think that that's normal. Until you go to someone else's house. And they do it what? They do it differently than your family does it. And so if you're a little kid and you go to someone's house for a sleepover and you come back and you'll be like, Mom, they eat all kinds of weird stuff at their house, you know? Or you might come home and think, man, they cook better than we do. I want to stay there all the time. I don't know. But it's, part, it's a culture thing. It's different at their house than it is at your house. So you have an understanding, for example, of how to resolve conflict or not. You, you know how to manage money or not. You know how to express emotions or not. And you got that primarily growing up in a family. But the, the, the thing about family and the thing about culture within a family, the norms within a family, you, you don't get instructions. Like you don't do family seminars. Like your dad doesn't say, come on outside in the garage. I'm going to be working on the car. I'm going to lose my temper. And I'm going to throw a wrench at the wall. And I want you to see how to do it so that when you're older and you're working on your car, you can get angry the right way. Anybody have that experience? No, I just was like, whoa, that's how you do it. All right, don't aim for the window, aim for the wall. I mean, you just pick stuff up because culture is more caught than taught. We just, in a family system, we just see how things are. Organizations have culture. You ever walk into a business or a nonprofit or just some kind of an organizational office space and you walk in and you just immediately get a feel for what that place is like? Sometimes it feels really up and people seem very happy. Other times, you know not. They're not very happy. Here's a good example. Call customer service for any number of companies. Sometimes you get somebody on the phone, you think this person does not want to be at work. They do not want to help me. Then you call some other company and they're just like so happy to help you and you're angry and you get off the phone and you're praising Jesus because they were so nice, right? Culture, it invades everything, but it's not something that's often very intentionally talked about or developed. The church has to be different. Every church has a culture. Every church, if there's, you know, whatever, 5,000 of them in Springfield, if you went to some of those churches this morning, I'm just kidding, there's only 3,000. If you went to one of those churches this morning, you, you, in some churches you'd feel like, wow, this is a really neat place. I really like it here. In other places you'd be like, did someone die? Is it a funeral? You know, it just feels heavy and dark. Churches need to be intentional about their culture. And our culture is the result of our priorities and values as they're expressed to each other in this place. Grace Church's culture is something that we are going to be intentional about. We're not just going to default because culture generally is a default of people's priorities and, and values. We want our culture as a church to be something that we're intentionally working on. Write this down. Each local church has a culture and that culture should be shaped by the Holy Spirit. It should be shaped by the Word of God. It should be that we are consciously as a, as a church maintaining a healthy culture together. And one of the ways that we do that at Grace Church is through something I want to talk about this morning called a membership covenant. And membership covenant, if you're not familiar with the concept, I'm going to talk about it here in a moment. But I want to say this. There have been four other pastors that have pastored this church before me. And each of them brought with them uh, a sense of what I'm going to be talking about this morning, uh, how we will do life together as a family. Just for this season, with me leading, what we're going to do is we're going to be very explicit about it. We're going to say, these are the things that we mutually commit together to do if we're members of Grace Church. 
So what is a membership covenant? Let me break it down into two pieces. Let's first talk about membership. Now, church membership is just formally joining a church. And that, you know, like signing the card, going to the class, drinking the Kool-Aid. No, just kidding. Whatever it is that you got to do to join the, the church. Membership in the United States has been on the decline in churches for the last several generations. Now, some of that's positive because people have gotten kind of wise and they don't just you know, move to a new town and be like, I'm a Baptist, so I got to go find the Baptist church. Or I'm a four-square guy, so I got to go find a four-square church and join. Instead, they have become more particular looking for something of health rather than just a denominational connection that they can join. So I'm, I'm glad that membership in that sense is not like an automatic. But the negative side of a lack of membership, church membership in the United States and in the Western Europe is, is this. It has declined at the same time that an unhealthy view of church has been rising. And that is a consumeristic view of church. A hundred years ago, people did not shop for a church. They went to a church, probably the one they could walk to or ride a horse to. It was just, your church was in your community. It was in your area where you were and that's where you went. But sometime in the last 50 years, there's been a shift in how we look at this thing called church. And so people become church shoppers. It's like when you go to the mall. Like if I was going to go to the mall today, which I hope we don't have to go to the mall. But I, if we went to the mall today and I was going to buy a shirt, I would go and I would go to the different stores, you know, the short and squatty store. I would go there and look for a shirt and I would go to this store and that store. And I'd finally find the shirt. You guys are like, I'm, come on, loosen up a little bit, all right? Gosh, it's certainly not the big and tall shirt so, store. So I go and I find my shirt, right? And I, and I buy my shirt and I'm a happy guy. So that's what we would do if we were shopping for sure. But people do the same thing with the church. They think, you know, I, I need to find a church that really meets my needs. So they shop around and they look at their, And in the old days, you would have to drive around, right? You'd have to actually go to churches and go inside and meet the people. I mean, it's so inconvenient. Now, what can you do? Right? You go online. You can, you can watch the service. You can listen to the message. You can listen to the worship team. You can be like, no, nah, I don't like that guy. Or, oh, I like that guy. Or a girl, whoever. Virtual. It's like... Shopping online is what it ends up becoming. <clears throat> the problem with shopping for a church is this. If I find a church that I like, and it seems to meet my needs, it checks all my boxes, and I'm excited about it, and I'm, I'm really feeling like I'm getting something out of it, what happens is, is that eventually, if my relationship with that church is all about what I get out of it, at some point in the future, there will be another church that will have something else that this church doesn't have, and then I'll be tempted to go there, and I'll move on. That's where church hopping comes from. Something that I once found in this place, I no longer find here, so let me go find another place. And the problem is, is it comes because my view of this thing called the body of Christ is that it has something that I need, as opposed to I have something that it needs. Write this down if you would this morning. Church membership, in a healthy sense, is a way of declaring that I'm agreeing with God about his placement in my life. That, that he has brought me here, and because I'm here, I'm going to put down roots, and I'm not going to go shopping anymore. Rather, I'm going to say, I'm in agreement with the Lord's leading. This is where I'm supposed to be, and I'm going to recede. Hallelujah, I want to receive, but I also am here to give. It's a two-way street. Now, of course, not everybody belongs in every church. That wouldn't make sense. Not everybody in Springfield is supposed to come to Grace Church, obviously. But it's my contention, and you will hear me say this over and over and over again, that everybody belongs in some church. 
some healthy place where that person could put down roots and grow and begin to be part of of that community where they're both receiving and giving. Everybody belongs somewhere. And even though I wish that everybody in the room right now belongs here, that's quite possible that many of you don't. And as a pastor, my heart needs to be, we need to help you find the place that you're supposed to be. Not try to get you to stay here because, you know, I'm so cool or whatever. That was a joke too. Gosh, are you guys all hungry or something? You're just like, man, I want some wings. You know, something's going on where you're thinking about something else. So we need to, as, as, as a community, be big enough to say, if this isn't the right fit, let us pray for you and help send you someplace else where you will be in fellowship in a place where God has placed you. We can get excited about that together. Okay, that's membership. Now let's talk about covenant. What's a covenant? Most Christians have some idea of covenant because when you read the Old New Testament, it's talked about. So for example, there are, there are covenants. God makes a covenant with Noah, right? I'm never going to destroy the earth again with water, right? And what's the sign of that covenant? Good job. I should start with that question. You guys all knew that one. There's, an, there's an, a covenant with Abraham, right? We're not going to talk about that sign, but there's a covenant with Abraham, and Abraham, you're going to be my people. I'm picking you. I was just reading Deuteronomy the other day. It's so funny. Like, you know, Israel apparently was too big for its britches and thought, you know, we got picked. You know, God likes us best. And he says, it's not because you're so great. It's because I chose you. It was all God's doing. He picks Israel and says, you're going to be my people. The rest of the world, great, but you guys are my people. And I'm going to, I'm going to invest myself in you. I'm going to prosper you. You're going to become, he tells Abraham, you're going to become like the stars of the sky. You're going to become like sand on the seashore. Covenant with Abraham. Covenant with David, right? I'm going to make a covenant with you. You will always have, one of your offspring will always sit on the throne. Which Jesus comes out of that line, line of Judah. That's what we sung about this morning. Jesus talks about in the New Testament, right? Dan was leading us in this communion meditation. We think about that night when Jesus was at the Last Supper, Thursday night before Good Friday. And he's there and he's holding the cup and he's holding the bread. And he says about the cup, he says, this is the blood of the new covenant, Right? It's poured out for you. So the old covenant was that we had to kill animals so that God would accept us because there is no forgiveness of sin without blood being shed. And Jesus says for all of those ocean, that ocean of blood, I'm going to do it once and for all. I will be the Lamb of God. We sang about that this morning too. Once and for all, this is the new covenant. It will be my blood and you'll appropriate it by faith. You'll get in by faith. Covenant, pretty familiar. Covenants exist between either God and people or people and people. Now, when it's a God and people covenant, one side is always fulfilled, the God side. Like when God makes covenant, he always fulfills his promises. Like God never is like, oh, I forgot to fulfill that. He always fulfills his promises. When people do covenants, eh, we try. We try, to, we try to do a good job, but people are people, right? I mean, there's problems with those covenants, Covenant is an agreement, it's a pledge, it's an alliance, it's a pact, it's an arrangement. It's the same thing in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. The easiest one to think of from people to people is a marriage covenant, right? A man and a woman stand before their friends, stand before the Lord, and they say, we will become one flesh. Two will become one until what happens? Until death do us part. Thank you, Joe, exactly right. It's a covenant till death. Two become one before God until death parts us. Contracts are kind of like covenants, except this. When two people enter, a con- enter into a contract, they generally do so to protect their own interests and their own rights. 
So if Susan, no, I won't use Susan. If Marty and I were going to have a contract, I would make sure that we have this agreement, but I'm going to protect myself, and he's going to protect himself. And the contract, in theory, we know how that goes, in theory protects us both, that we get what we put into this deal. We are both equally covered. Covenant is different because when you enter a covenant, now I have to use Susan. So I have a covenant with one person on this whole planet, my wife. For 30 years, we have been in covenant. The difference between contract and covenant is contract, I watch out for me. In covenant, I watch out for her. I give my... <laughs> you're not supposed to amen that. <laughs> there goes lunch. <laughs> I give to her. The covenant is about me investing in her. It's for her benefit. She's in covenant with me for my benefit. It's different than a contract because it's, it's more like a heart contract as opposed to a head contract or a legal contract. Churches create covenants so that we can have an agreement together that we are going to walk in a certain way with each other for the benefit of others. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are all given gifts for the common good. We enter into covenant together so that we, that we can say collectively, that I say as one of the members of Grace Church, you can depend upon me. I'm not shopping anymore. I'm rooted. I'm not just going to go look for the next thing that I get, but I'm here because you need something that God's going to give me to bless you through. You can count on me to abide by these tenets. So that's membership and that's covenant. When you put them together, we're going to talk about the bridge. Grace's membership covenant. The church we used to pastor was called the bridge. That was a, that was a throwback from eight years ago. Sorry, bridge people, if you're watching. Um, Grace's membership covenant is four pieces. I want to look at them together. We've done this some because we've had some folks join in the last several months, and so you've seen these on the screen behind me, but I want to look at them again and just go a little more in depth this morning. And this, again, the whole point of this is we're talking about how we shape the culture of the church. How are we going to act with one another? Here it is. First part of the covenant. I'm sorry. Let's do that one first. Thank you. So good. Thanks, Simon. Put that up. Those entering a covenant do so for the benefit of the other party. I meant to tell you that. That's a fill-in. Those entering a covenant do so for the benefit of the other party. Now, let's look at the four tenements. <laughs> the four tenants. Can I not talk? Can we just go home for now? I'm good. I I'm, I'm messed this up royally. I just got a text from my son-in-law saying, the bridge, question mark, on my iPad while I'm speaking. So I'm just being loved by everybody all at once. I figured out how to turn that off during service. That's not very good. <laughs> Members of Grace Church will do four things. Ready? Number one is this. We're going to love and follow Jesus. That's a pretty basic one. We're going to love and follow Jesus. And the, the, the specific thing I want to point out in this one is, is that we will love and follow him, and we will follow him as our Savior, but also as our Lord. It's been my experience as a pastor and leader for a number of years that people are much more, uh, war they warm much more to the Savior part of Jesus' role in our lives than they do the Lord part. Because the Savior part says, I was a mess and he rescued me. Hallelujah, right? What Dan was talking about this morning, the Lord part says, and he gets to be the boss of my life. And that's harder. Because in every area of my life, he's asking for me to surrender to him. Every part of my life. But so we have both of those pieces in our membership covenant. If you're joining Grace, you are saying, I'm making, I am going to love and follow Jesus. And I have made him my Savior and my Lord. Number two. Members of Grace Church will love and care for others, especially those within the Grace Church community, that we come together and we commit to loving each other well. We're going we're gonna to be good at this. We're going to care for each other. 
And we're going to specifically care for those that, Paul says it this way, those of the household of faith, those of this particular household, that we are going to be invested in each other's lives, that we're not just going to show up and watch, but rather we're going to be a part of what's happening. Things like Fusion Group, where David was just mentioning this morning, we're going to be involved in each other's lives. We're going to spend time together. We're going to invest in each other. We're going to care for each other. Pretty basic. Number three. If you're part of Grace Church, you're going to devote a time, I'm sorry, a portion of time and abilities and gifts and finances to Grace Church. You're going to give some of yourself to Grace Church. And this is a really important one. And I, and I say this, turn to the person next to you and say, he means this kindly. Say that to, he means this kindly. But when, you're a, when you make a, a covenant with someone, you can't hold yourself back. You've got to be able to give of yourself. Not everything. I'm not, we don't want all your money. Well, no, no, we don't want, I'm just kidding. We, we don't, the church does not want all of your time. The church doesn't need everything you have. But you're, you're making a commitment to give of yourself in that way. And if someone says, I just don't feel like I can, I can do that, you're welcome to be a part of this church in terms of coming, but don't join. Like if someone says, you know, like I, I want to be a member, but I don't know about this whole giving money thing. That's okay. That's something you need to work out with Jesus. We're here to help you. I'm going to be teaching on it soon anyway. But the point is, don't join and then not follow through. Giving your time, giving your gifts, giving your, your talents, giving your, your finances. We do this together. We are doing it for the common good. Number four, members of grace. This is my favorite one. Members of grace will address conflict in a biblical manner when it arises. Would you say the word when with me? When. You know why it's when? Because it will, right? Unless you've got a church of one person, you're going to have conflict at some point in the future. There's going to be a problem. There's going to be a disagreement. I, as, as great as I am and as nice as I am, I'm going to hurt your feelings. I'm going to be you know, dismissive of something you think is important. I'm going to be rude. I will never do that on purpose, but that's just what happens. And so I want a place that we start together to say, look, from the very beginning, we're joining together as a church. Our culture is going to be one where we own our mistakes and we ask for forgiveness when we blow it. And that starts with me. It starts with the other leaders of the church. It starts with our staff, just being people who are humble and vulnerable and willing to own our mistakes. And we want that to be the culture here. Here's the thing. Most people, that's not true, many people who leave a church, leave because they have a difficult time resolving conflict. They get their feelings hurt, and, and it's legitimate. I'm not saying that their, their feelings were not hurt, but they get their feelings hurt, and there's no mechanism for which to walk out the biblical instruction on how we res- resolve and reconcile things between us. And when you're in a town with thousands of other churches, I'm making that up. I don't know how many there are, but there's a whole bunch of them here. There's one up the street. There's one down here. They're everywhere. Just go to a different church and start over again. The problem is if you don't know how to resolve conflict, it will happen again. And so we're deciding on the front end, when we have issues, we're, we're, gonna, we're covenanted. Susan and I had issues a couple weeks ago. Let me tell you, man, <laughs> we did. But, but, we, but it was never like, well, I'm, I'm done with her. I'm going to trade her in for another church. You know, it wasn't that. It was we worked it out. It was not pleasant, but we worked it out because we're in covenant. We made a commitment that was bigger than the problem which is what Membership Covenant does for us in regard to conflict. We make a commitment that's bigger than the problem. We're going to work it out together. I'm almost finished. Marriage is a, is a good analogy for what a membership covenant in a church is like, but there's, there's a, a real disconnect. There's a real problem. Here's the disconnect. When you stand before God and your friends and family and you make that vow, when is that covenant over? When you're dead, right? 
And we're not going to make a covenant at grace that you, that you stays in force till you die. Like, you know, someone's sitting here and they just fall over and they're gone. And we're like, they're out of the covenant now. And that's not how it's going to work here at grace. Instead, we're going to covenant together. If you're a member, this is all for members, people that are wanting to be members. If you're going to covenant with us, it'll be a year at a time. And what that does for us, you'll sign a, 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 a covenant that looks something like what you don't see on that screen. What that does for us is it allows a graceful exit ramp. Because though everybody belongs in a church somewhere, not everybody stays in that church forever. God moves people around. God might move someone here to another church to be a blessing to them because they need something that you have. Or maybe someone's called away to the mission field or they're called to plant a church. Or there's just something that, for whatever reason, we can't work out. And I, I don't believe that that would be a regular occurrence. But if it were to be that way, we are in a situation now where there's a, a, a graceful way for that person to exit where we can bless them because they have not committed to being in covenant with us till death parts us. They've committed to being with us for 12 months. So it allows them to, to move on to whatever God has next for them. I... Um, I want us this morning, in just a moment, we're going to introduce a new member. I think, is Miss Trish here too? I didn't see her yet. No, Trish is not here. So we're going we're gonna, to, it, it's just so appropriate that the member that we're going to introduce this morning and receive is by himself. Because if you've ever met him, he has enough personality for two people anyway. So Mr. Kim, would you come on up here? Come on. So here's how it works at Grace. You can come on up here with me. You want to stay there? Oh, okay, stay there. I love being, I love being taller than people. This is what it feels like to be a normal-sized human. So the way it works is at Grace, you, you hang out with us for a while. You, you can come to one of our New to Grace luncheons or New to Grace events, and then we have a membership interest gathering that we host at our house. Kim came to one of those a few uh, a couple of weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, and uh, ask lots of questions. We talk about grace, and then we give you, you know, these, these tenants, and if you decide this is where I'm supposed to be, then we receive you new membership. And the next step is this. We bring you up front. We lay hands on you. I'm going to have Susan come on up, too. Do you have to be quiet? Do you have to be quiet the whole time? Yes. Just this one time, Kim. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and we're going to pray for him. So would you extend your hand? We're going to receive Kim this morning into membership, just as if you were able to be here. Lord, thank you for Kim. He is a tremendous blessing to this body, Lord. And, and he definitely didn't come just because of what he got, Lord. He came because he invests in us. And we want to say to you, Lord, thank you for this gift. He is a gift to our kids and grace kids. He's a gift to every person he talks to, Lord. His kindness, his prayerfulness, Lord, his support of others. He just is a man of God. And we are so blessed to have him be a part of this family of believers um, officially. Lord, we pray that as the years go by, as, you, as long as you keep him, Kim here, that we would be a blessing to him in as much of, uh, that he is a blessing to us. Lord, pour out your goodness in this guy's life. Lord, uh, I don't know what you have next for him, but it will be good because, Lord, he is a man without guile. He's just a sweet-hearted man, and I know that you're going to use him in even greater ways. I pray that you would in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Could you give Kim a round of applause? Yeah. Thank Proverbs, you said, if you want to test, test the man, yeah. you, you uh, praise him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going suffering. Okay. <laughs> Kim says, if you want to test a man, you have to praise him. So he's suffering a test right now because we were just praising him. People can come to Grace Church without being members, obviously. 
And that's, that's, I want to make that very clear. But the culture is shaped by those who invest and say, this is home. I'm putting roots down. And so I, I, I want you to know that you're welcome to join, that you're welcome to be a part of this. There's no pressure to do so. But it is our heart's desire. It's my heart's desire that we as a body are the kind of place that when people come in, they just say, I, I, those people aren't perfect, but they're real, and I want to be with them. Let me, let me read you a quick passage of Scripture before we, before we close this morning. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. This is right after the, the outpouring of the Spirit and the birth of the church. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When, when you read that passage out of Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, it, it feels a little bit like Christian utopia. It's like, ah, oh, I just want that. I want us to be like that. The reality is, is that when you read through the book of Acts and you read into the epistles, you see that the church did not stay so utopia-like as it is in that section. But that was a culture that was, had to be maintained. And we want to have a culture here that is maintained in such a way, not that we're perfect, but that we are humble with one another, that we're transparent with one another, and we're honest about where we are in the process. There is so much grace for us if we will just live in the reality that we are all works in progress, that no one here has arrived yet, including maybe especially the guy leading the church. Amen? Would you stand with me? I want us to pray together, but Marty, would you do me a favor? Would you bring that over here? Thank you. Oh, thank you. You worried about me falling off there. I appreciate that. We won't do this every week, but it's just so very important to me that we keep the point in front of us all the time. The church is not just about a collecting more people. I love more people. It's wonderful to see all of you this morning. The church is about seeing people that don't know Jesus come to Jesus and be part of a family. And so we want to keep this in front of us. It's about them. As much as it's about us, the community has to be big enough for them too. So I think of us, this is the word picture that I use, I think of us as being like a big, huge family reunion. We all get together. And you, you know, at the park, they have those pavilions that you can rent. You can have like a family reunion there and everybody comes. We want to be that family, but we always want to be setting extra t- places at the table. We always want to be buying a little bit extra chicken, right? Because we don't want to get caught with somebody new comes and we don't have something for them to eat. We always want to make a little bit more of that casserole for these people. Can we pray for them? Lord Jesus, thank you. At one time, Lord, at one time, Lord, whether it was on a paper like this, we were, we were a name in somebody's prayer list. Somebody else was praying for us that we would come to know you. And Lord, you were so faithful. You drew us in. You answered their prayers. And here we are right now. And so, Lord, we pray for these people. 
pray for each one of these, these initials that represent men and women and, and boys and girls all over this town, all over this country, all over the world who need you. And Lord, the, the, the point of our prayer is not that they become part of Grace Church, but that they become part of your church. And that somewhere they find fellowship, that they find a community of believers that are, that are, that are focused on you, that are following you, that are hungry to be whole. And Lord, we ask that you would do the miracle, the biggest miracle of all, that you would turn somebody who doesn't know you, a heart, of, heart that's stony, into someone that does know you, that a heart that's fleshy and soft. And we pray that you would do that, Lord, and that you would privilege us with the, with the honor of being able to be involved. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you extend your hands in front of you? I want to bless you in the name of the Lord before you go. Grace Church family and friends, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message made a difference in your life. If you would like more information about Grace Church, visit us on the web at grace417.com or connect with us by filling out a connection card on our app.